Welcome to Libraries Out Loud, a podcast produced by the University of Buffalo Libraries. I'm your host, Omar Brown, Education Technology Support Associate and Silverman Library on UB's North Campus. In each episode of Libraries Out Loud, we'll explore connections between the UB libraries and the research, learning, teaching, and creative activities of our faculty, students, and staff. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Libraries Out Loud. I'm Lori Wudzinski, Associate Librarian and Project Manager for the University Libraries, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we focus on two groups organized by library staff members, the University Libraries Book Club and the Genealogy Group. To get started, I'd like to introduce Kath O'Brien, Assistant Director of Assessment and Resource Planning for the UB Libraries. And Kath is a longtime member of the UB Libraries Book Club. Hi, Kath. Hi, Lori. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me. Would you tell us a little bit of background about the UB Book Club and what your role is? Sure. Um, the book club actually began in 2006, thanks to the efforts of the library staff development and training committee. It was an informal group that met monthly to discuss a book over lunch. As library staff members moved on to other places or retired, the book club gradually evolved from in-person meetings to the Good, Goodreads platform that we've been using since 2013. I joined the group in 2014, and I volunteered to serve as co-chair with one of my former colleagues. Great. Does our group meet exclusively online or do you meet in person too? Well, as I mentioned, the book club initially met in person um, before the shift to online. So in 2018, we conducted a survey to touch base with the group's, um, group's members to see what their preferences were on meeting times, the number of books we wanted to read each year and where to meet. Um, based on the survey results, it turned out that most people preferred a mix of online and in-person options. We decided that the person leading the discussion would choose how to conduct the meeting. Then when COVID hit, we switched to Zoom meetings, like everybody else in the universe, and continued some discussions in Goodreads. This past July, we scheduled our annual summer meeting to choose this year's selections and made it a hybrid in-person and Zoom meeting. I think we'll likely continue that model for future meetings. How do you decide which books the group will read? It's kind of a mix. So books are usually selected during the summer months so that we can give everybody an idea of what's coming up for the next year. And any member can suggest a title for the upcoming year and members can volunteer to lead the discussion. Uh, once we've selected the titles, I put them on our UB Libraries book group page on Goodreads. So whether we're meeting in person or not, Goodreads is an easy way for us to share ideas and discuss each book. We're currently reading five books each year, and while there's no formal structure or criteria imposed on members when they choose a book, we often try to keep some semblance of variety in genre or subject matter. We often have at least one nonfiction title, some historical fiction, maybe occasional mysteries, or something with a local element. Um, some of my favorite discussions have been around the nonfiction titles, including Between the World and Me, by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Packing for Mars by Mary Roach. Well, full disclosure, I am a current member of the book club and I really enjoy all of our discussions. Um, and one of my favorites was our conversation around the book Outsiders, Five Women Writers Who Changed the World by Lindell Gordon. We had a really spirited and fun discussion about that book, but what are some of your personal highlights in terms of book club discussions? Um, well, I'm with you. I like that book as well. And I think what makes the club interesting is that often we're reading stuff that not each one of us would have read before and our discussions do get spirited. 
but some of the highlights for me has been the, inter- the opportunity to interact with individual authors. So, uh, for example, in January 2018, author Darren Wang joined us to discuss and answer questions about his book, The Hidden Light of Northern Fires. It's a work of fiction based around the small village of Townline, New York, which seceded from the Union during the Civil War. Townline's located between Lancaster and Alden, and Darren incorporated a lot of local history into his book. As a result, we all came away being surprised about how much we didn't know about the role of this village in the Civil War area. And it's really a treat to to get the author's perspective on his research and his whole process. Another favorite of mine was our discussion with local author Charity Vogel on her book, The Angola Horror, the 1867 train wreck that shocked the nation and transformed American railroads. You know, I think it's great that the club has a focus on local authors because it adds such a nice element to the discussions. Uh, do you even try to coordinate with um, any community reading initiatives? We do. It's not like an official thing, but we when we when we've been aware of the um, one community one book initiative sponsored by Buffalo and Erie County Public Library, we've tried to align our choices. So we've joined them in reading A Farewell to Arms in 2018 and The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane in, in 2020. Similarly, we've also tried to choose titles related to the UB Distinguished Speaker Series or the Babel Series organized by the Just Buffalo Literary Center. Is the book club open to new members and can anybody join whether they're affiliated with the university or not? Absolutely. New members from UB or the community are a welcome addition to our discussions. Anyone can join and invite others to join by sending me an email at kobrien9, that's K-O-B-R-I-E-N, nine at buffalo.edu. And I can't let you go without asking one very important question. What titles are in this year's list? We've got some more good ones this year. So we start in September with The Glass Hotel, a novel by Emily St. John Mandel. And next up is The Mystery of Mrs. Christie, a work of historical fiction by Marie Benedict. We'll also be reading some sci-fi fantasy later in the year, Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. I'm really looking forward to that one. Me too. Well, thank you, Kath, for joining us. And I'm really looking forward to our next meeting. Me too. Thanks for having me. Our next guest is Jill Hackenberg, UB Sciences Librarian and Chair of UB's Genealogy Lunch Group. Hi, Jill. Hi, Lori. As we turn our conversation to genealogy, would you share some of the group's background for us? Hi, I'd be happy to tell you about the group. We've been going strong at UB for at least 20 years. Right now, there are about 25 people who regularly attend meetings, and of those, about seven people come to any typical meeting. So attendance greatly depends on the members' work schedules. We do have a genealogy group members that come from all parts of the UB community. For example, there are current employees and students, alumni, and others from the Western New York area. Our members come from across the university and not just the UB libraries. People who have participated in the group represent the School of Engineering, the Gender Institute, the School of Social Work, School of Architecture and Planning, the UB IT offices, and of course, the UB libraries. We meet monthly on the first Wednesday via Zoom from noon to one in the afternoon. Thanks. What are some of the topics the group discusses? Everyone in the group wants to learn more about researching their family lineage and details about their ancestry. 
We typically discuss the databases and print sources one can use to gather the print records necessary to begin building a family tree. The records might run the gamut from birth, marriage, and death certificates, military service, wills and estate documents, census records, business listings in city directories, and cemetery records, among others. Many times, someone will bring questions about where to turn after they get stuck or encounter significant challenges. We call these brick walls, and almost everyone has them in their family tree. Members of the genealogy group will share ideas of how to break through the brick wall, so to speak, and maybe find workarounds for missing records like birth certificates. So at each meeting, we'll have a variety of topics. And we have a variety of members with varying levels of experience, but where would someone go to begin their family tree research? Well, everyone listening today is welcome to join our genealogy group. We have both new and experienced members. And for someone who is new, I recommend that they start out by making a basic family tree with the names of the relatives that they know about, and then maybe talk with the elders of the family about additional names from their generation. And it's always a good idea to ask the elders of the family about family names um, and also where they and their cousins lived and definitely the maiden names of any of the women of the family. And all of this data will help when searching in databases for the census and other related information. Well, I'm sure everyone has seen uh, the DNA kits for sale to learn more about your ancestry. And what can we learn from the results of those tests? DNA testing is very popular. It's estimated that 35 million DNA kits have been sold. That is an amazing number. These tests can help identify distant relatives up to maybe four generations back with some accuracy. Normally, a person will receive an ethnicity estimate and a list of names of individuals who share DNA snippets with the test taker. Obviously, for adoptees or those who don't definitively know who their grandparents or their parents are, this can be a goldmine of information to explore. There are multiple vendors that sell the genealogy DNA tests, and within our UB genealogy group, we have members who have taken tests from each of these vendors, so help is available to assist in deciphering the results. Okay, and once you get the results back, then what happens? Well, it's best to create a family tree on the website where you bought your DNA kit so that the day the results come in, you're ready to analyze what's presented and look at the surnames of the people who share DNA with you. These are the DNA test takers from the same vendor. So this helps break through the brick walls that I mentioned earlier. It's especially useful if one of your surnames is Smith, Jones, or Miller, for example. There are ways to sort through the names to organize them in a structured way. Many websites, books, and Facebook groups are on the internet to help with this discovery and organization process. Of course, our group talks about these steps and how each person can do it in a slightly different way, which dovetails with what they want to learn about their own lineage. That's really interesting, and, and it sounds like fun. Yes, it's really fun. I started constructing my own family tree about 15 years ago, and my own heritage is German, English, Irish, 
Swiss and French, namely the area called Alsace-Lorraine. And our UB group has members finding old records from many countries, such as Italy, Greece, Canada, Russia, Ukraine, Scotland, Ireland, England, Poland, and Finland, plus many more. So in addition to the DNA test results, what are some other places where people can find information about their family history? Yes, uh, newspaper articles are a rich source for family names and stories that often appeared in the social column, especially if the family lived in a small town. I'm discussing mainly newspapers from the 1700s and 1800s. Frequently, out-of-town visitors would be named in the around-town section of the newspaper. Yeah, I've noticed that, and I've also noticed in my own family research and from attending the group meetings, that the census is a really important place to look and and a good place to start. Yes, census documents can be a rich source of detail about the family. You learn who lived at the house and how old they were, perhaps what year they emigrated to America where their parents were born, and sometimes details about the farm, if they were farmers and grew crops, for example. My own lineage includes a man who owned a dairy, and on his property, he also grew grapes and made enough wine for the family's personal use, and perhaps enough left over to sell to his neighbors. And speaking of the neighbors, the census is valuable in one other significant way. You learn who the immediate neighbors were for the family you are focusing on. So since the census is arranged by town, then by street, all of the neighbors will be listed, including the house numbers for each. So this might provide clues about how families became friends, perhaps intermarried, and perhaps served as witnesses to either marriages or estate documents. In 2022, the 1950 United States Census will be released to the public. This will be a milestone because all of us then will be able to view the information about our families from the year 1950. Wow. Another thing I've discovered too, Jill, is that old photographs are really helpful when trying to figure out people's names, of course, especially when they're labeled. Yes. In our group, we've had conversations about how to best preserve worn and fading pictures and documents. When one of our members learns of a new technique in preservation or database searching, they will share what they learned with the group, including those times when they had a big breakthrough or a big discovery. Yeah, well, I experienced a a breakthrough in researching my great, great, great grandmother. Um, I only knew her first name, didn't know her birth name. And in researching land transactions for her son, who was my great, great grandfather, I discovered her maiden name on one of the documents. So researching then her family opened up an entirely new branch of the family dating back to the 1600s and the Winthrop fleet, which was one of the early migrations from England to the colonies to Massachusetts. Wow, what a great find. And the 1600s, amazing. When we have the people sharing about these aha moments during our meetings, like you just shared, Those are some of the best meetings of all. I agree. I agree. And also, I'm also a member of this group, too, which is also a lot of fun being on the genealogy group. What if our listeners want to learn more, Jill? 
If you are interested in joining us for an upcoming meeting of the Genealogy Group, you can email me at jmh7 at buffalo.edu, and I can send you the information to join us on Zoom. Again, we meet the first Wednesday of every month. And if you would like to learn more about some ebooks or articles or blog posts to help you to learn more about family tree research, I can send that to you as well. You don't need to come to our meeting to receive that type of information. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Jill. It was my pleasure to talk to you today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Libraries Out Loud. And stay tuned for our next look at the UB Libraries on campus.